triumph in the trap. This is a dog. <laughs> Do you believe in miracles? Hey, I play chess, but only in 4D. I'm by myself, but they think I'm 4D. When they see me online, they think they know me. Go ahead, like and subscribe. You gotta show me. I applied pressure and they tried to reject it. Clearly, ain't see I was a diamond, so they didn't accept it. Told me I was a failure, so I said, F it. Might even start my own school and teach them a lesson. Yeah, I'ma call it South Harmon. Huh. Fly down south and get the south popping. <laughs> One day, I'ma give you a walkthrough and introduce you to this walk too. <laughs> I know you lost, that's just dynasty talk Cause you can't start no franchise without no dynasty talk I took a break from the game, they throw my dynasty stop Till I came back like Wimbyama, I feel like Coach Pop I can't say that I'm the GOAT, cause you ain't gonna agree But if I own my own farm, I can make the GOAT Me, the ladies love the beard, and they used to love the goatee That's when I was a lamb, burning music on CDs I wasn't born in 88 December 87, I was 16 days away Might fly to Dallas, why not? I just got paid today When I land this dirt statue, I came to fade away Check the timeline for the stories and the play-by-play My life a Patreon link, you gotta pay to play I worked 16 hours, boy, that's an 8 and 8 X-Factor like Dez Bryant, my boy 88 Why dream light when you living like a heavyweight? This ain't a one-week thing, we grind like every day They know my destination, Devi, like I I hang with Ray. If they ain't know my name, I bet they know my name today. Treat this mic like an ATM, let's make a trade today. Drop, drop this on Fizzle Friday, cause that's my favorite day. And I'm gonna do it my way, cause that's my favorite way. They tried to put me on the shelf like I'm layaway. Told me it ain't no way, so I made a way. Huh? Welcome to South Harmon, I'm glad you're here today. Welcome to South Harm and I'm glad you here today. I'm glad you here today. Welcome to South Harm and I'm glad you here today. I'm glad you here today. Hit that Patreon link if you here to stay. Huh? Treat this mic like an ATM, let's make a trade today. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back to America's Game, episode number 9. I am your host, Eric Vanek, and you can find me on Twitter at EricVanekNFL, and you can also find the show at America's Game Pod on Twitter as well. And uh, once uh, once again this week, we are going to be joined for the first time on America's Game. It's going to be Koopa, the uh, mind behind the warp, uh, the warp machine on South Harmon FF. So this week's going to be a lot of talking about warp, um, the A warp. We're going to be talking about you know kind of what we're seeing so far through three games, the rankings of everybody, who's real, who's not, stuff like that. So we're going to go through that um, this week for you guys. But yeah, Koopa, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing good. Uh, excited to be here, you know, with this second iteration of America's Game. And it's kind of fun to see this warp come full circle because uh, it, it was first talked about on America's Game all the way back uh, when Dynasty Barry, shout out to, to Dynasty Barry, he was going and doing all the warp calculations in a spreadsheet. And he had like 27 steps per week. And 
I figured out how to uh, automate that and put it into some scripts. So now that you can have it up on the website and you can go to southharmonff.com and put in your, uh, just put in your username. It grabs all your leagues for you and you just go ahead right from there and you're able to see the warp graphs tailored to your specific league. Yeah, so if you got MFL or Sleeper League, it does both uh, leagues for you on there. Just type in your username, it'll pop up. Uh, yeah, it's been a great. I'd kind of uh, been playing with it a little bit here today, just kind of looking around and like there's just, especially if you just use the um, the basic generic username that's on there um, that you get. So we have a bunch of Sleeper Leagues created that has all kinds of different settings that people might be in, two tight end leagues, point per carry leagues, six point per passing touchdown leagues, you name it, any kind of leagues. You can even do a league with that has all that stuff in it um, and kind of see the warp for each different league. So it's uh, it's interesting to see how much really the warp changes, especially like tight end positions, stuff like that, um, to see where these guys uh, end up fitting in. So it's kind of cool to see uh, exactly where everybody fits in, you know, ranking-wise on the warp. Um, yeah, so what are, Oh, go ahead. It, it's uh, it, it's really cool to be able to go through, especially that that mind warped league. Um, you can go through yourself and see. All right, this is how I read the graphs. Um, and then also Adam and Scott went through and did a whole series called Mind Warped, where they went through every single one of those leagues, and being able to cross reference. Hey, how do I read these versus how do Adam and Scott read them and put them into actual practice into their process and their dynasty leagues, like getting both of those perspectives is really cool to see how you line up. Absolutely. And like you said, if you go to South Harmon FF, you guys can sign up for it there. You know, you can buy the warp tool. You can buy mind warp as well. Um, you get that whole video series. What was it? 27 videos or something like that with Scott. 25. Now? I think it 25, was 25. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You get 25 different videos kind of explaining warp and how those guys use it. Um, you know, what to look for, all that. It explains everything to you. And then obviously using the, uh, just, if you just use the warp tool, um, it helps you a lot with trades, you know, setting your lineups. If you can kind of see, Hey, this, you know, this guy's having really good warp season. I need to start, start starting him. Uh, people like that, you know, you get a lot of, uh, names that are coming out of nowhere, um, that are going to be in the top 10. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit, but yeah, uh, really cool tool. I, I recommend going to the South Harmon website, sign up for it. You know, you're going to be using it all year. You could use it in the off season. You know, kind of, you can, uh, I think you go back to what, 2019 as well? So 2019, if you want to have a warp. So a warp okay. is adjusted for start sit rate, um, which is really useful for lineup leaks. Um, but if you are, if you don't care about that necessarily, you can go all the way back to 2007. So oh, if you okay. want to see like a Adrian Peterson's rookie season, how much of a warp difference maker was he? You can go all the way back and see that. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So you guys can go back and look at that kind of stuff as well. So uh, really good stuff. Um, so th we're through week three here. Is there anything that you're kind of seeing in warp that, you know, kind of standing out to you so far during the season? So the one thing that I have been noticing is that it at least so far in terms of the number of weeks that we have in the data, a large spike by a player is going to shoot them up the board. So um, something that I have noticed over the course of an entire season, looking through previous year data, is that the player that is consistent 
eventually over uh, it gives you more warp than the players that they have one spike week maybe they go they're that player they get 20 points and then three points and then 20 points and then three points that player tends to do worse than the player that is consistently 12 every single week they just give you nice solid 12 points in the lineup the current warp chart are a little skewed in that regard in that if that player that goes 23-20, if they've had two of those 20 games, now you're mismatched and that player is going to be much higher. Um, so it's something to consider when, when we're looking at these charts. And the other thing is that it kind of in a similar vein, you look at where your quarterbacks versus your running backs versus your receivers are. Right now, it kind of looks like, oh, the quarterbacks are lower than running backs and receivers in a lot of leagues. But if you compare what the graphs look like now to 2022 and just weeks one through three there, you're going to notice it's very similar. And as the season goes on, you're going to see the quarterbacks creep up these rankings until they're, they become the dominant position. So some of that is to also say when you're looking at your leagues, don't get head over heels going, man, I need to start dumping these quarterbacks to tear down and, and grab the hot new wide receiver, hot new running back, um, because those quarterbacks are going to give you the value over the course of the season. They are not your one-week wonders that are uh, that you're more likely to accidentally stumble upon in wide receiver or running back, or if you invest in those, potentially lose out. So try not to overreact. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because if you look at, you know, uh, the warp chart here for some of these quarterbacks, you'll see like, you know, obviously we know they haven't had great seasons, but if you look at uh, Justin Fields, quarterback 22, you know, uh, Dak Prescott, quarterback 25, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback 24, you know, people like that, you know, these are guys that people are counting on every single week in their lineups most likely, uh, especially in super flex leagues, to produce for them, and they're not so far. So uh, I think eventually they're all going to produce, but you're going to want to, you know, I'm not trading Justin Fields for Puka Nakua and Devin Achain, you know, something like that. You know, I'm going to still hold on to the quarterbacks. They're still going to hold that value, especially in Superflex League. So I agree with you on that. Um, so first here, I wanted to kind of look, uh, we'll start with the quarterback position. Um, the one that kind of stood out to me that he was in the, the top 10 even. So uh, first, I might as well just, uh, point out what we're looking at here. So if you are um, registered for the warp tool, uh, we're we're using just the regular, um, you know, warp calculator. We're doing a 12 by 11 by 30 man league. So that's 12 teams, 11 starters, 30 man rosters, six point per passing touchdown, regular PPR lineup league. Um, and we're using roster efficiency as medium on this so if you want to kind of follow along and look at some of the same kind of uh, stats that we're looking at and we're going to be looking at the uh, the a warp table as well so we'll see the rankings for some of these guys so the first one that kind of stood out to me on the quarterbacks um you know obviously there's a you know most of the names up here are, are pretty you know familiar guys you you got your mahomes your two is having a great year herbert uh kirk cousins is always up in here jalen hurts uh was mac jones though mac jones at quarterback 10 so you know i think finally he's got that 
you know, and a real offensive coordinator in Bill O'Brien. I think he has some weapons that he didn't have last year, especially. Um, you know, they might not be the greatest weapons in the world, but at least, you know, they're functional. Um, is it time that we kind of finally acknowledge Mac Jones is a little better than what the public thinks? Is he kind of a, a buy low for you? Somebody that's, you know, I would say in the offseason, he was like in the, if he was going in a startup, he was probably like quarterback you know, 22 or worse, uh, probably even worse than that, to be honest. Uh, do you think he's kind of like pretty locked in, like solid quarterback too going forward? I think that you should be viewing him like that. I, there was the whole narrative in the off season of, oh, Mac Jones might be on the hot seat. And then other people were saying, hey, hold your horses. He didn't have an offensive coordinator last year. He had a he had this dual offensive coordinator system run by two defensive coordinators. And so it was all set up for him to fail. And so you come to this year, and I think we're starting to see what happens when you put somebody that actually knows how to run an offense in Bill O'Brien in New England and is able to is able to actually use Mac Jones as the quarterback that he is and put him in a situation that he can succeed. And so we kind of see that in terms of how Mac Jones has performed in his games. He's been pretty consistent. Um, he's, he hasn't had a dud game. He, he has, he had the first game where he uh, did, I think it was around 300 yards and three touchdowns. Um, and so you're going to get those weeks every now and then from a quarterback when he's put out there and he needs to perform. And, and that is what ends up getting him high up in warp is he hasn't had a week that he stumbled. Um, you look at some of the players that are like way down the list and you're, you're looking at, okay, where, where is Joe Burrow? Where is Dak Prescott? Like those guys are way down there because they've had those leagues where they went out, they threw a bunch of interceptions. They didn't get the ball moving on offense, things like that. Whereas Joe Bur whereas Mac Jones, sorry, has been very consistent. And so warp tends to like consistency. And so that's why he's shooting up the warp, uh, the, the warp rankings, because that's what it's looking for. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I think he's going to be super consistent the rest of the year and look at, you know, Miami's defense hasn't been that great. Uh, but his other two matchups this year, he played the Eagles week one, and then last week he played the Jets, who have a really good defense as well, and he's still in the top ten. So I think Mac Jones, as the games get easier for him, hopefully his weapons stay healthy for him. He's got two really good running backs. You know, the offensive line is relatively healthy for right now. They're getting some guys back. You know, Kendrick Bourne has come out this year. He's played pretty decently, I thought. Uh, Devontae Parker had a good week, too. Last week wasn't so great, but as long as he stays healthy, he's at least a, a competent NFL wide receiver. Um, you know, you got Hunter Henry. You got Tyquan Thornton will be coming back here shortly if he's anything. Um, you know, Demario Douglas, we, we both like. Uh, Mike Gusecki, I think he's still getting used to this offense. So they at least have some weapons. They're not like, you know, incompetent with no weapons at all. So uh, I think Mac Jones is probably a pretty good buy low, especially if you want to upgrade that quarterback too and get somebody really solid in there. Or get away from like one of these one-year quarterbacks like – um, Jimmy Garoppolo, he might only be there for one year. Sam Howell, like, yeah, he's he looked great the first two weeks. Last week was horrendous. 
is he really the full-time starter there for Washington going into the future? Obviously, Josh Dobbs is not going to be the starter in Arizona. I don't think many people have him as quarterback, too, on their teams. But um, Justin Fields, like, everybody really likes Justin Fields, but can you get a massive tear down from Justin Fields to Mac Jones? You could probably get Mac Jones and a really good running back and a really good receiver and maybe a draft pick on top of it as well. Um, if you just really want to get out on Justin Fields and you think, man, this season is going sour really quick, maybe the Bears have the first pick overall and they're going to go ahead and select, um, you know, they're going to go ahead and select Caleb Williams or Drake May if they have the second pick this year and move on from Fields this year. That's totally a possibility because this GM um, was not, you know, did not draft Justin Fields. It was the guy right before him the year before. So, um, you know, that's something you could look at. But I think Mac Jones, really, really solid, like, quarterback to, like, I don't want to say he's Jared Goff, but maybe, like, just a step below, like, what Jared Goff can give you. I think Goff is super consistent, and I think Mac Jones could eventually do that. He needs a little bit better weapons. Um, but, but, yeah, I like what, uh, what Mac, uh, Mac Jones is doing this year. Um, next question I, I wanted to give you. Um, so the I mentioned them already, the, uh, T-Law, Fields, and Dak. So right now, looking at um, the A-Warp on these guys, we're looking at, um, uh, where is it? Okay, Justin Fields, he's quarterback 22 on the season. Trevor Lawrence, quarterback 24. Dak Prescott, quarterback 25. I'm not going to really mention Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's down there at 34, but we know the reasons why with that. That's you know mainly due to his injury. But um, Fields, Lawrence, and Dak haven't had any injuries. They've been um, you know fully healthy and playing all year. What are your thoughts on, on any of these three guys, Fields, Lawrence, or Dak? Do you think um, they're going to improve. Are we seeing a step back from those guys? What are your thoughts? You kind of have to look at all three of them t- totally differently um, because warp as much as a number of like, hey, this is how good this player has been in your lineup is it runs into the same issues anytime you try to distill any super complicated system down to one number in that you lose all the context around where that number came from. So Justin Fields, his situation is such that he's running an offense that is frankly just horrible. Um, he's he, he's maybe keeping some of his fantasy points alive because he can run the football. But outside of that, it, I mean, he. It, I'm trying to remember whether he was the one that, that he did, like didn't even make a, a hundred yards passing one of the weeks this season, um, or and just it, or whether it was somebody else. But he's he's not doing well throwing the football. And whether that's a product of the system, whether that's a product of um a, of him as a, as a passer, that's not something that Warp is going to answer for you. So when you're looking at these guys that are further down and you're going, hey, are they going to come back up? You have to look at some other factors. And so players like Justin Fields, there's a lot of narrative out there that, hey, there's there's going to be a, a problem here with Justin Fields, whether whether it's him going out and in, in interviews saying, hey, it's the coach's fault and not my fault. Like, OK, you're already starting to see some strife going on in Chicago and it's evidenced by the fact that people are talking about them getting the number one overall pick. 
Whereas if you look at Dallas and you look at Jacksonville, both of those teams are still projected to do quite well. They're going to be able to, to likely bounce back and still uh, still have a functioning offense, be able to put some points on the board. And it's just that from, at the beginning of the season here, their quarterbacks have been struggling. And so that's the kind of thing that you need to look for, for, hey, how am I going to get more warp on my team? Maybe you want to use that to help yourself target some of those guys where like, okay, I'm looking at these other narratives. Who is further down on the warp list that I can potentially buy low on? And so it's just another kind of statistic to help you understand, okay, this is the buy low. But where you want to look at is be realistic. If you're going to look at Dak Prescott and say, I think he can come up and be just as good as Jared Goff has been this year. Well, understand that, okay, now let me look at the warp charts, understand where Jared Goff is in the production to your team, and you don't want to overpay like you're paying for a top three quarterback if you're only going to get Jared Goff level of production. And But it might seem like you're paying top three level quarterback if you have the league that is the right kind of settings where quarterback is worth way more than all the other positions. And so that's kind of how you want to use warp into your your process that you already have, because everybody's got one where they're listening to different fantasy analysts, whether it's here at South Harmon, whether it's somewhere else of these are the players that I want to target. And you want to bring warp into that process so that way you understand, hey, this is the value of this player in my specific league. No, that that's really good advice too. I, you know, if you're looking at, you know, tearing down, this is a good way to do it. Or you could see like, hey, my, my Jared Goff, my Russell Wilson, my Jordan Love, my Kirk Cousins. Hey, they're at the top of these lists. You know, I don't really project them to stay up there. You know, those are good guys to maybe buy low on. You can go look at, you know, hey, maybe can I move my Jordan Love and get Dak Prescott? Um, and, and maybe somebody looks at that as kind of even, whereas, you know, before the season, nobody had, you know, Jordan Love above Dak Prescott. So maybe that's a, another way that you can kind of look at it as well. So I agree with that. Um, and one last thing that I sure. want to plug here while we're talking about quarterbacks is I'm going to be writing an article to go on the South Harmon website about this topic in coming out probably this weekend. And it has to do with when does warp become predictive? And the thing that I have found is now that we have three weeks of data, three weeks is the perfect window where the warp charts from this year are more predictive than using warp charts from last year. So if you took all of 2022's data and you said, I'm going to draft entirely based off of 2022 warp charts, and then you went to 2023, you only need the first three weeks of 2023 to be more predictive for the rest of the season than 2022. And so that's something to keep an eye out for that, okay, looking at uh, at the warp per game for 2023, you've got some guys that are in the top, the Jordan Love, um, it, Justin Herbert is way different than last year at, at number three. You're looking at uh, Russell Wilson at number six. Uh, you even have Andy Dalton as number seven. Like it, looking at some of these, 
some of these results, there's going to be some of those quarterbacks that end up staying up there or stay close to up there. That last season, if you're comparing their their results, they were way worse. And so you want to, now is the time where you want to start looking into, okay, which of these guys do I think are going to be able to continue doing what they're doing and that aren't going to regress back to their mean? So speaking of that, you know, who are some guys that you're looking at at the top 10 that you think is going to keep this up for the rest of the season? And who do you think is maybe kind of a fraud? Um, so it, I have loved Jared Goff and I love Kirk Cousins. I've loved them all off season, And I just think that they've they've been steals the whole time. And both of them are up there. Kirk Cousins is up there at number one right now. Um, I don't think he'll necessarily stay as number one, but I would not be surprised to see him end the season at top 10, top eight, somewhere in there. Um, you also, I also am really intrigued to see Jordan Love all, all the way up there um, because Jordan Love is somebody that we had not seen much of. He was handed the reins to this offense. And honestly, I, I would say expectations were pretty low coming into this year. And he's come in and he's put in a couple of really solid performances. Um, he helped uh, lead the Packers uh, to come back in that game this past weekend to win that 18-17 comeback. And, um, and so I would be very interested to see if Jordan Love might even be staying up there as a back-end QB1 somewhere in there. Um, it, some of the guys that I'm a little more worried about um, – is Russell Wilson. Like, I think there's starting to become a lot of narrative around Denver that, hey, there's there's something stinky in the water here. And uh, and they're doing really, really bad compared to what expectations are. And I think some of that might come and, uh, and start to affect the play of this team. It might lead to, uh, to some garbage time points if they're going to continue to be down a ton, which I think is part of how Russell Wilson has done well up to this point. But I would also be very concerned that he's going to keep it up if you start getting all these off-the-field distractions and things like that, getting involved in, in, into this team and what they're, what they're working through. Yeah, so me and you are definitely on the same uh, wavelength here. I kind of viewed those guys the same as well. You know, kind of just looking at, you know, Cousins and Goff, who you mentioned. What's the name of their game? They're both efficient, super, super, super efficient. They've been efficient for the last couple of years, and I don't see that changing, especially with Cousins. He's been like a, you know, top five, top ten efficient quarterback like every single season here. So Kirk Cousins is definitely a guy I think stays in the top ten. Um, he would be a good one if you're on a contender and you really need a really solid quarterback too. Uh, I think Kirk Cousins is definitely the guy you want to target. And then kind of looking at um, Jared Goff, I think he's kind of the same thing. Even though he doesn't have the same weapons that Kirk Cousins does, um, even with you know Goff, he's got Laporta, who's uh, looking like a new TJ Hawkinson, basically. You got Amon Ra, who's one of the best young receivers in the league. You know, we're still waiting on Jamison Williams to come back. They still haven't gotten Gibbs like fully involved yet in the past game. Montgomery's been solid. So, yeah, I, I like those two calls. And then ones that I think could fall back a little bit, definitely Russell Wilson. I don't see him um, holding into the top 10. He'll probably be, you know, I bet he falls another, 
eight to ten spots. Jordan Love is interesting. Like I think a lot of that is based off of his touchdowns because he's had multiple touchdown passes, I think, in every game this year. Maybe not last week. Um, but the first two weeks he had multiple touchdown passes, especially in these six-point-per-touchdown league. so he's a little higher probably because of that. Um, I could see Jordan Love kind of falling back out of the top 12 um, here, but he's still a really, you know, really young, solid player. I, you know, if I go Mac Jones or him, that's kind of probably where my toss-up is for me. I don't know who I would choose on that one, but um, yeah, interesting stuff there for sure. Um, is there any other quarterbacks you wanted to bring up that were on the list at all? Um, not really. The the only thing is just like, don't get too discouraged by the guys that are further down on the list. Um, the some the the guys that we were talking about earlier, your Trevor Lawrence's, your Dak Prescotts, like it, those guys are going to come back up the list as as their offense gets their footing and gets a couple good games behind them and they start putting up the points that we're expecting. So there's no need to panic here at the beginning of the season going, Oh, Oh my goodness. My star is down there at 25, 30, whatever there. Keep in mind that it's the same way it is when you're looking at points per game, they're, they're going to come back up as they, as they get their feet under them. Okay, I can see that for sure. Um, all right, so let's move on to the running back spot now. So, you know, the running backs um, right now that are – there's a lot of them in the top 10 that I notice who are, like, not ever being close to being drafted anywhere near the top 10, especially, like, if, if you're looking at your redraft leagues. Like, none of these guys were even close to being, like, in round, like – five or higher so just kind of looking at those guys here real quick um obviously you got kyron williams who's come out of almost nowhere rb4 right now raheem mostert is rb1 right now obviously a lot of touchdowns this year being on that miami offense you got zach moss rb8 james connor rb10 so some really interesting names up there and that's kind of like how you know myself and scott and others we play redraft leagues we're loading up on the wide receivers and we're taking our shots at these running backs here in the later rounds and if you hit on you know you have mostert and kyron williams on your team or mostert and zach moss like you're you're hitting you're hitting big right now because you probably have the wide receivers you probably have a solid quarterback solid tight end and you got you're getting these running backs that you drafted later on that are really really hitting for you right now. So, um, my my thing with these running backs that I kind of mentioned here, obviously Brian Robinson, another one, RB six, he was drafted late. What are your thoughts on some of these um, these players here? Can they stick in the top fifteen at all um, for the season? I think it entirely comes down to whether those running backs are going to stay healthy, whether they're going to continue to be on offenses that are humming as well as they are because we see that running backs they tend to get a lot more points if their offense is doing well whereas if their their offense is not doing that well then they tend to fall off and so that's so that's the main thing that we want to be working on is okay are these running backs going to be able to to continue to keep up with their offense because it's not just a one-man show at the running back position. 
Yeah, especially yep. like you said with the injuries too, man. Like if that that's the biggest thing. Like we get a a new injury out for the year every single week. It seems like so. If these guys can stay healthy, I agree. But continue. One thing that I want to uh, draw your attention to, if you're looking at the tool, is I put up a new graph called a warp per game, and. What that one is for is to help you better understand the any running back on a 53 strategy. And it's telling you per game how much warp a player is making, as opposed to the A warp graph is going to be the cumulative across the whole season. So the A warp graph, your guys that are playing every single game week after week, your, your Raheem Mosterts, your Christian McCaffrey's, Tony Pollard, those guys are top three on that. But if you go to a warp per game, you have a surprising number one in Aaron Jones. He's I I think if I remember right, he's only played one game so far this year. But that one game was such a smash. He's still running back one on the season. You can also look down at number 13 is Jerome Ford. The one week that you started him in your lineup league so far, he actually produced quite well for you. And so it's something to watch for some of these guys as the season goes on is like, okay, who are these guys that I'm just going to put in as spot starts and how much value am I actually getting out of them? And so you can go a, a little bit further down, like, okay, um, it, you have guys like Roshan Johnson is almost matching Alexander Madison. Those two guys weren't close to start the season in terms of value. Um, Alexander Madison, everyone was projecting, okay, he's going to maybe not get the Dalvin Cook workload, but he's going to get a large large workload. Well, in in reality, he's kind of shown that he struggles with some serious efficiency problems and that the the times that he did well for fantasy were because he was getting the Dalvin Cook workload. But this offense is not geared this year to get him the Dalvin Cook workload. It's being tossed to Kirk Cousins to throw it to all the receivers and tight ends and whoever's catching the ball on that team, which just kind of feels like everybody. And so those are the kinds of things that you want to be looking for is, okay, what is that value that I'm going to get? Uh, Another guy here, Matt Breida, Um, he's he's only had the one game, but you know, he got you uh, the 32nd overall points per game result, uh, not points per game, a warp per game result. And so if you're trying to stream these, any running back on a 53 option guys, you're able to get decent production compared to some of the other players that you're essentially forcing to go in your lineup because they have a name. And so it just kind of helps reaffirm that strategy that, yeah, you maybe want to have one stud guy because it you you can't possibly make up a Christian McCaffrey or a, this year it even seems like a Raheem Mostert in your lineup compared to it having to start some guy that's getting a, a, a spot start. But if you're doing that at your running back two position and turning that into wide receiver production, that's where you're going to be getting your value to your team. Yeah, so that's kind of like with Mostert, like you mentioned, that he's just having such a warp difference making season so far. Is that somebody that you're willing to pay up for in a in a league right now? Are you? I don't want to say he's worth a first, but would you trade like if you know you're a contender right now, your pick's going to be one ten to one twelve? Would you trade your first rounder for Mostert? I don't know that I'm going first rounder for any running back right now. It's still so early in the season. Um. 
the way I like to play with my first rounders on, on my contenders is I want to hold it as long as possible. So that way I have as much information before I use it. So if you don't have a trade deadline, I'm probably trying to use that the first week that I am playing in playoffs. Even if that if I have a bye week 15, I'm not spending that first until week 16. If I have a trade deadline that say week 13, week 14, all right, I'm going to spend it right before that deadline. Because the thing I don't want to do is risk tossing that first onto Raheem Mostert now. He gets injured in two weeks. Even if he gets injured for two weeks, we saw what Devon A. Chain can do this past week. And if he comes out and he does the exact same thing the next two weeks, that all of a sudden you're looking at Raheem Mostert's uh, workload that he's been getting is going to be halved or or potentially even worse if Jeffrey Wilson comes back off, off of IR and now you've got this three-headed monster. And so I don't want to invest that kind of capital. If you're looking at, okay, I might toss in like a second and a third or maybe even two seconds if I expect they're going to both be late. Like that's something that I would potentially be looking to do right now for a guy like Raheem Mostert. Right. That's that's one of my things I always look at or I have trouble with in trades is if I know this guy, you know, he's looking like a playoff team. He's already, you know, four, three and oh, whatever. And I go and try for his first. I'm already looking at that as a 110 to 112 pick, you know, most likely. And they don't seem to see it that way. But if I go for their second, I'm looking at that as a 210 to 212. And I don't really want that pick. I, that picks, you know, yeah, it's okay, but it's not like I'm not going to be getting a difference-making player there, in my opinion, most likely, unless, you know, something really drastically happens and I, you know, I pick up, uh, get lucky on a tank Dell there or something like that. Um, so that's that's one of my problems I have in trades is I, I'll try and go for that first, but they don't want to move the first, but they're not really looking at it as, you know, hey, this is a 111 or 112, like, even the 111, 112s in some drafts aren't really worth that much. You know, kind of look at this year's um, draft class. It was kind of like, you know, the top, you know, eight eight or so there after the wide receivers. You got to Quentin Johnston and those guys, and you're like, eh, you know, it's the, they're okay. They're not, like, the greatest. Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. I think people just kind of overvalue their first still, but I uh, just wanted to bring that up. Uh, but, yeah, just looking at some of these running backs, though, like I mentioned, Mostert, obviously, I think in this offense, as long as he stays healthy, I don't. I think if they're running as hot as they are with Mostert and uh, Devin Chain, if they're running as hot as they are right now, I don't know how much of a difference Jeff Wilson would make. And you still have Ahmed too, so we'll see what happens there. But I would think Mostert, if he's running this hot, he's probably going to be a top twelve running back this year, warp wise. Kyron Williams at RB four. I really do like Kyron Williams. I they really have nobody else there behind him. It's like Ronnie Rivers, you know, Zach Evans is deactivated every single week. They brought up Royce Freeman. I think Kyron Williams could definitely be a guy that could stick in this top twelve just based off of usage as long as he can stay up healthy. Now that's the big question with him. He's a smaller running back, you know, his um, athleticism and all that isn't the greatest. He didn't test that great, but hey, he's playing really, really good right now. So if I can get some of those weeks for Kyron Williams right now, um, I would go ahead and buy some Kyron Williams. Even if I'm giving up my late second to get Kyron Williams, I'd be fine with that. Brian Robinson, I think he's looked really good this year, and Antonio Gibson has done everything 
to get off of the field just with his play, um, you know, fumbling the ball, making mistakes, stuff like that. I think Brian Robinson, it might be a little harder for him to be a top 12, um, you know, RB1 type running back this year just because he's not catching the ball as much. Um, but we'll see there with Brian Robinson. Still really like him as a very solid RB2. Zach Moss, I think kind of the same thing, but I think the thing that's looming is, hey, is Jonathan Taylor going to come back? I haven't even really heard since the beginning of the season anything about Jonathan Taylor. Um, is he going to finally come back and play for the Colts? They're 2-1. and one. You know, It's not like they're a, a crappy team. Zach Moss, who has literally done nothing in his career up until now, is finally producing. Like, Imagine if they had... Uh, Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor together, like the kind of dynamic duo those two could be right now. And then um, James Conner, <clears throat> excuse me, on a you know a bad offense, is producing. Like he just ran for um, close to 100 yards or was over 100 yards against Dallas, who's one of the best defenses in the league. Um, I don't know. I don't think Connor's going to stay in the top 12, but he's going to not be far off of RB15, RB16, somewhere in that range. I think Connor, if you need another solid running back uh, to plug into your RB2 hole, that's another good one um, for, for you guys as well. Um, ones that are concerning, though. So if we're looking at Josh Jacobs right now, RB28, I think a lot of that has to do with that negative two uh, in week two when he uh, didn't run very well. Damian Pierce, RB31. Brees Hall, RB39. Najee Harris, RB48. Dalvin Cook, RB55. Um, so out of those guys, you know, Jacobs, Pierce, and Hall, I think those guys are still very solid players. I think they're going to come up still. Uh, but Najee Harris and Dalvin Cook are definitely concerning to me. Do you have the kind of the same thoughts on, on those guys? The other thing that's concerning to me about them is the fact that they are both actually negative warp on the season. So not only have you been starting them and not been getting that many points, and you're like, man, I'm getting RB48. They're actually being so bad that in this 12 by 11 league, they you would have been better suited to replace them with some with just about anybody else that you could have reasonably started. And so that's the part that's really concerning is, hey, these guys are going out there. They're still getting some touches, but they're doing absolutely nothing with them. Um, I think some of that comes down to the the teams that they're playing behind and he, you always have to go back to hey running backs are only going to be, be getting as many points as their team is and the Pittsburgh offense has not looked great um the the calls for Matt Canada to be fired have have not gone away if anything they've probably only gotten stronger and the Jets had the horrible situation of Aaron Rodgers going out for the season and without Aaron Rodgers there, we've just seen that Zach Wilson cannot distract the defense from the run game the same way that Aaron Rodgers can. And so that's the thing that we're going to have to uh, to keep an eye on is these these guys, they have to get efficient. And the way to get efficient is to be behind an offense that is, that is able to move the ball effectively because then they can't just completely focus in on the run game and prevent these running backs from getting to the line of scrimmage, getting past the line of scrimmage, things like that. And so that's honestly why I'm still a little concerned about Brees Hall um, because it, 
sure, Brees Hall is he's he's a good player. He's young, but it, it might not happen this year that he gives you the points that you're looking for because he's stuck behind. He's being drugged back by this offense that is not able to move the ball effectively. Yeah, I agree with that. Efficiency, 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 especially with those running backs as well. And Najee, Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall, both of those Jets guys, you know, it's just not happening right now. And I don't know if it's going to happen this year because teams are just going to load up in the box, make Zach Wilson try and beat you. And that's not going to happen because Zach Wilson's just not very good. Um, you know, I know Scott talked about it last year. He, he sold Brees Hall, you know, immediately there as soon as he got injured. Um you know, this, this stuff affects these guys. Here's another, I you know, basically lost year for Brees Hall. If you could still get the really good, you know, prices for Brees Hall, you know, it might be worth go ahead and trade him. Um, Dalvin Cook at this point, I would almost take anything for him. I mean, I don't think you're getting a second for him. You might have to settle for a third for Dalvin Cook. He's kind of just like one of these running backs who's just, you know, any running back. You know, it's not like he's superstar Dalvin Cook that we've come to know. Um, Najee Harris is definitely very concerning. Like, we thought the Steelers were going to have a way better offensive line this year, and it's just not. Um, Their first-round pick kind of seems like a little bit of a bust. Um He's just not playing very well. You have, uh, you know, Jalen Warren is definitely cutting into his time, and Jalen Warren has been more efficient with his touches than Najee Harris has been. So I kind of thought I was a guy on uh, that I liked Najee this year because I thought that foot injury he had all last season was really affecting him. Uh, but yeah, maybe I was wrong on that one. He just hasn't looked the same Najee Harris like that he is playing at Alabama. Um, if that's another guy that you can get out on, if you know some, you know some contender wants to give you their one eleven, one twelve for Najee Harris, I think I'm going to go ahead and, and pull the trigger on that one. Um, Josh Jacobs, I think he's one that can definitely come back up still because of the Raiders' offense and the way they run, uh, play their offense. It's literally get the ball to Jacobs, get the ball to Devontae Adams, get the ball to Jacoby Myers. Nobody else touches the damn ball. And I kind of like that in an offense, honestly. I know who to start, who to play. You know, it's not like the Chiefs or the uh, Commanders right now where you look at their box score and 17 different people caught a pass. Like, I know when I look at the Raiders' box score, it says Josh Jacobs. It says Jacoby Myers. It says Devontae Adams. You might get one catch from an Austin Hooper, one catch from a Michael Mayer. Hunter Renfro barely plays. That's it. They don't really use all these other players. So I definitely think the amount of work that Jacobs is going to get, that's somebody I would definitely invest in if somebody's selling low. Damian Pierce, him and Devin Singletary have kind of basically split the touches this year. Uh, so that one is a little concerning for me, but I think once the Texans' offensive line gets healthier, like they were missing like four or five offense alignment to start the year um i think they're missing two more guys again this week this week tunsil's gonna be out again and another guy just got hurt um i think it's gonna be tough sledding here for pierce for the next couple weeks but once they start to get healthy hopefully by mid-season pierce picks it up and then yeah like we talked about with those those jets guys man they're just not very efficient right now um, kind of looking at um, any other running backs that you could see kind of moving up the ranks um, as somebody that you would buy low on at all? Um, somebody that isn't maybe a buy low um, because he had a lot of value coming into the season, but that I'm excited to see where he has landed is Travis Etienne. 
So he's slotting in right as running back 16, which I think in, in running back 16, specifically in a warp per game, if you're doing a total a warp, he's coming in as a running back 13. And I think that it is kind of right where we wanted him. And so I'm, I, I'm kind of happy to see that because there was some worry about, Oh, is he going to start splitting some time? You know, last year on um, the, that he got a lot of his production in ways that we thought might not sustain to this season. But so far, it's looked like that it has sustained. And so I'm a little more confident in going in and getting some ETN shares. Not necessarily a buy low opportunity, but as much as a, hey, I don't need to be as worried as I was before. Right. I could see that, especially with, you know, the way that Bigsby's played this year. He's made a couple mistakes, fumbled. Um, I think Bigsby will eventually get some more touches, but right now, yeah, ETN is just, um, he's turning it up right now because Bigsby is making those rookie mistakes. And, you know, going into the season, I thought Bigsby was definitely have a bigger role, but you got to just factor in some of those rookie mistakes sometimes. Uh, another one that I, I'm kind of concerned about, even though he's RB17 right now on this list, which isn't terrible, but uh, Derrick Henry, man, I... I'm just really concerned about that offensive line. It is not very good. Um, it seems like their pass defense is still piss poor. And if they get down in games, man, they have no problems using Tajay Spears over Derrick Henry in the past game and, you know, trying to get ahead on him. Is this kind of like maybe the year that you think if you have Derrick Henry and if you could still get out on him fairly high, you would go ahead and do it? I would be looking to do that Um and part of that just has to come down to I'm just looking at the Titans offense and I'm just worried about, hey, are the the Titans don't look like they're doing well. Um, Ryan Tannehill looks like he's definitely past his prime on um, your. Yes, they have DeAndre Hopkins, who is probably helping keep them afloat, um, but they are not able to let Derrick Henry just take the ball 25, 30 times a game and just let him run and he'll just churn out these 150, 200-yard performances that are going to be able to move the ball for them. And so uh, Derrick Henry's probably still an okay running back. Like, he, he's he's doing just fine. He's uh, right next to somebody that um, uh, that's way younger, but that I had... Uh, that I had kind of predicted, hey, he was going to have a decent year in Rashad White. Um, and it, the the problem is that you're just looking at Derrick Henry. He's, I think he's, what, 29 years old now? Um, he's definitely not going to be going up in any sort of value. And so especially if if I'm a fringe contending team, so maybe I'm not a top three team in my league, I'm maybe in that four through six range, and somebody else is willing to give me something decent for Derrick Henry if I'm able to get maybe a couple seconds, maybe I'm able to get a second and a third or something like that, I might be looking to sell in that scenario. Um, if you are outside of that and you still have Derrick Henry outside of those top six teams, I'd be looking to offload Derrick Henry now because he's still going to give you some points that if you are clearly outside of the top six, you aren't going to make playoffs, then... I, I want to make sure I'm offloading those points now. And Derrick Henry is one of those players that if anything happens to him, even if it's just a, a, a cap 
sprain, that he's going to be out for one week, his value is going to shoot into the toilet because now he's this injured old guy who's not going to do anything. There's this new hotness and Tajay Spears behind him. who's going to steal all the work, things like that. And so you want to be looking to get off of a guy like Derrick Henry now while he's on that decline. Um, it, unless you are one of those top teams where you can say, all right, I'm fine with letting Derrick Henry die on my roster if it's if he's going to get me points before he does that. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. It just kind of depends on where you're at in the standings, just kind of looking at your roster and what you have already. Um, are you in the middle of the pack? Are you definitely in the you know, looking, you're going to be like a, a team that's out of the playoffs. So, yeah, I think it, it definitely does depend on um, where you're at in your situation. So I agree with that. Um, so we'll move on now to the wide receiver spot. So when I kind of looked at the wide receivers, it was just like uh, they are who we thought they were, like uh, Coach Denny Green said. Most of the wide receivers in the top are the guys who we thought would be there. Um, I think the only exceptions that are kind of um, – not supposed to be there or Puka Nakua, obviously. And I would say Michael Pittman, Nico Collins, those guys um, definitely weren't like considered top 10 wide receivers coming into the year at all. Um, what are your thoughts there on, on like Nakua Pittman and, and Nico Collins? Um, So the interesting thing about Puka is that he was not supposed it, it his points that you're seeing in the, in the a warp graph are also leaving out his week one results because nobody started Puka week one. Yep, and so it, if you, if you end up going to, tr to true warp, he ends up even higher. Um, and so that, that's just something that uh, I want to keep in mind is like, is Puka is this guy that ended up um, com coming out of essentially nowhere. Um, it, it like he was that week one, everyone was trying to add him onto their team and, then enough people started in week two. He's he's counting in the data, and so the as with everything I've been saying, warp is a single number that you have to take in with context. Puka's number you have to take in with context. He's getting hyper targeted by Matthew Safford, who loves to hyper target a receiver. We saw that at the beginning of his career with Calvin Johnson. We've saw it the past two years with Cooper Cup, and it appears Puka Nakua is the guy right now. The real question is when Cooper Cup comes back from the injury he's he, he currently has, is is Cooper Cup going to be the hyper-targeted guy or is Puka Nakua going to be the hyper-targeted guy? And so it could be, hey, the torch has been passed, so now it's Puka Nakua. And if that's the case, I want to ride Puka Nakua throughout the rest of the season because the production that he is he's giving you is absolutely bonkers. But if... If it's going to be Cooper Cup that ends up being the hyper-targeted guy and maybe Puka Nakua goes back into a Robert Woods kind of role, Robert Woods was still good when uh, when Jared Goff was there, but he wasn't quite at the level that Puka Nakua is doing right now where I would unequivocally say, yes, I'm going to, to toss a, a, first, a first plus at this player to be able to get them on my team. And so I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to be able to buy into a guy like Puka Nakua, um, for that reason. When you're looking at a, the a different player in terms of somebody like Nico Collins, that's somebody that I'm actually really interested in in buying, because 
you're looking at a rookie quarterback where they are not going to be upgrading that wide receiver room this year. Um, it honestly might not really be upgraded next year because they don't have a first round pick to do that with. And so anybody that's going to come is via free agency. And we've seen teams are not willing to let these wide receivers get the free agency um, if, if they're any good. And so Nico Collins might be a guy that, hey, CJ Stroud's coming in. He's 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 looking hot um, and he might cool off a little bit. But Nico Collins is his number one guy. And I want to have the number one guy really on any team. Um, it, except for like maybe the bears right now. Like I don't necessarily want DJ Moore because they the are able to, <laughs> to throw the football. Same with the Falcons. But if they end up, the bears are a little different in that they might, if they fire a coach and they bench Justin Fields, all of a sudden they'll have a decent passing offense. The Falcons are finding a way to do semi decently behind just running the ball. Like, every single time that they have it and not even giving Desmond Ritter a chance to throw it. And so no matter who they put in, I would kind of expect that to, to be a similar thing. Um, and, but those number one wide receivers are always somebody that I want to have and be able to put in my lineup because you consider how many number one wide receivers are there in the NFL. There's 32 of them. How many viable number two wide receivers do you actually want to put in your lineup every single week? You're really only talking like 18 guys or so, which gives you 50 overall receivers. And so you're you're looking at, okay, well, I want to have as many top 50 receivers as I can. One of those guys is going to be Nico Collins. Yeah. Question is, how how well can you squeak out a Nico Collins from some other manager that's the real question, because right now he's kind of gone through this boom. Everyone knows he's gone through this boom. You might have to overpay a little bit for it. But if you're projecting, hey, Nico Collins, number one wide receiver for CJ Stroud, it's not going to slow down. It might just be worth it to overpay now because he's just going to be worth even more later. Yeah, and the one thing with Nico that I want to see is I wanted him to prove that he can stay healthy for the full season. He's a guy that's been hurt every single year that he's been in the league. Even back to college, he was hurt too. So I want to see Nico prove, hey, I can stay healthy for a full season as well. So I don't know if he can do that, but, I mean, things have been looking pretty good right now. Uh, C.J. Stroud's looking like the real deal as the quarterback as well. I think he's you know he's played pretty damn good the first uh, three weeks here. The first week on the road against Baltimore is a very tough test for any quarterback, let alone a rookie. So I thought he did okay there. Like he didn't get overwhelmed. But hey, the, the next two weeks he played Indy really tight, um, threw a bunch of uh, yards in that game where they were coming back, and then uh, obviously last week went toe to toe with Jacksonville. So. Um, yeah, C.J. Stroud, he's he's been looking good for me um, so far. Guys who are a little bit concerning for me, though, so far. Obviously, I'm just going to bring these guys up. They're not really concerning for me, but uh, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, I just wanted to note them that they're down here. Wide receiver 34 for Higgins. Wide receiver 37 for Chase. That's just all tied to, to Joe Burrow for me, so I'm not really concerned about them, but just wanted to bring them up. Um, other ones that were a little bit concerning so far, Calvin Ridley, wide receiver 39, had the awesome first week, but the last two weeks have not been great. 
Um, DJ Moore, who you mentioned a little bit ago, wide receiver 42. Chris Godwin, wide receiver 47. Drake London, wide receiver 49. Jahan Dotson, wide receiver 68. And then uh, one that's way down on the list is Kadarius Toney, wide receiver 93. So obviously way, way, way outside the threshold of wide receivers that we want. Um, If you want to talk about any of those guys, go ahead. I want to start at the end with uh, Kadarius Toney. Because the thing I think we've seen out of Kansas City is if your name isn't Travis Kelsey, you're going to be hot and cold and hot and cold. And... The thing that I said at the beginning of the show about, hey, what does what does Warp like? Warp likes consistency. And so being able to be con- a consistent member of your team is not something any of these Chiefs receivers are going to give you. So I was talking about, hey, want number one wide receivers on all these teams. The reason that I'm kind of out on every single Chiefs receiver in a lineup league, and this is lineup league specific, is because I don't feel like I know who the number one wide receiver is. It is somebody on that team every single week, but I feel like that person changes. If you're in best ball, I'm, I want all of those guys because they're all going to have their week to shine. Like I'll still even hold on to Kadarius Tony on the, in the belief that he's going to have his week where he goes out and maybe he doesn't drop every single pass thrown his way and he catches them all and he ends up with 100 yards and, and a touchdown. And so that's the kind of thing that I'm looking at on the cheap. Now, the, some of those other guys that you brought up, your uh, Chris Godwin, um, your DJ Moore, uh, and the and the Calvin Ridley, um, I'm actually concerned about uh, Ridley and Godwin because I kind of it, you don't really see the narrative that hey these guys are doing horrible. They're like okay they're still doing fine but they're still pretty far down compared to where you would expect them to be. And so, um, especially Ridley, the, the narrative is like, oh, he had this great week one, and he was... It, you haven't heard that, like, oh, he was horrendous the, the other two weeks. Um, and so that's something where I'm, I'm kind of wondering, okay, are they going to be able to be consistent enough? Are they going to be able to get me the points week in and week out that I'm looking for? Are they going to continue to be kind of behind some of these, these other wide receivers? Like I can right now, if you wanted to replace either of those guys, you could replace them with Michael Thomas. You could replace them with Rashid Shahid. Um, You could um, go a little bit further up and all right, you Maybe you have to pay a little bit the youth tax, but you're having to get like Zay Flowers, and he's going to going to get you a a decent amount of improvement because Zay Flowers is up there at at wide receiver 29. Um, you can get Cortland Sutton, who's wide receiver 27, and so those are the kinds of uh, moves where I'm starting to look at. Okay, how are these guys performing? And trying to target some of your more consistent wide receivers that are getting out getting out there and yeah they didn't have the blow up week that caused everybody to 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 go out and scream I have to get this player now but they've been quietly going and you're like yeah you know they have been good those are the kinds of guys that are going to get you higher warp higher a warp and and help your team week in and week out 
Yeah, I think, you know, obviously we mentioned earlier with Trevor Lawrence being down at quarterback, whatever it was, 24-25, you know, that has a lot to do with probably why Ridley's struggling too. So I think once, you know, we're not expecting Lawrence to stay down there at quarterback 24-25, but I think once he comes up, Ridley should come up too because if you looked at the preseason camp stuff, like Calvin Ridley was mentioned every single time. Oh, he's looking great with Trevor Lawrence. He's he's looking like the number one wide receiver. Looks like he's ready to have um, a monster season with a real quarterback. And I think a lot of it, I I don't think, um, I didn't look into this, but I'm pretty sure Doug Peterson's not calling the plays anymore. It's Press Taylor, I think, is calling the plays there now. And I think that's what's affecting it. Like, it's not the same kind of rhythm where, that Peterson had with last year calling plays. So I'm hoping maybe this guy gets better, figures it out, or Peterson just says, yeah, this isn't working, dude. I'm taking the, the play calling back. So maybe that'll help, too. Um yeah, you mentioned like um, Godwin, DJ Moore, man, DJ Moore, like we mentioned with Fields too, same kind of thing. I don't know if that's going to get any better. It's not like they didn't put weapons around um, Justin Fields this offseason. Obviously, got him DJ Moore. They traded for Chase Claypool last year. I know a lot of people don't love Chase Claypool, but he's a you know decent NFL receiver with some talent. Um, Darnell Mooney is a, was a really good wide receiver them for a while. Cole Komet's. Um, you know, a solid tight end in the league. They got all these running backs. Their offensive line's terrible. They didn't help him there at all, so that sucks. But it's not like he doesn't have weapons. Um, Drake London at wide receiver 49. I know a lot of people still really like him. This is like one of those... Uh, when A.J. Brown was drafted to the Titans and everyone said, oh, man, that's a terrible landing spot. The Titans suck. They don't have a quarterback. It was Marcus Mariota. You know, obviously they get Tannehill. Tannehill's super efficient, and A.J. Brown takes off. Like, that could happen here for Drake London. and obviously not going to happen this year. Um, I think if once Heineke does get in there, because he will get in there at some point, uh, maybe London starts taking off a little bit. Um, I would love to see that, but I would have to think Atlanta's got to be looking for the upgraded quarterback. They got to, you know, if they're um, maybe they're one of the ones that trade up here for Drake May or Shadir Sanders or whoever. If somebody else comes out, uh, whoever the quarterback three or four is going to be, you know, I could see that. And Atlanta's. Diff, you know, their picture looks totally different with a quarterback there that you think is fairly confident that's better than Desmond Ritter. I mean, I think most of the quarterbacks in the league are better than Desmond Ritter at this point. Um, Jahan Dotson, wide receiver 68. I know a lot of people were high on him going into the season. And I think, like you kind of mentioned earlier with the Chiefs wide receivers and, and Kadarius Toney and, and all those guys, it's the same kind of thing that... Um, Eric Bieniemy is running there with Washington. It's the same kind of offense, and they're spreading it out to like three different tight ends. They're using two running backs. They're using like five or six wide receivers every single week. You know that are catching the ball. These guys are just not getting con consistent numbers. So maybe if I can get into um, you know somebody believing that McLaurin or Jahan Dotson are better than they really are, I'd be willing to sell those guys because they're kind of in this same offense where I don't think. You know, McLaurin's going to have 90 catches again, or Jahan Dotson's going to have this 90-catch season. You know, both of them are not going to have that because the way they spread the ball out, I don't think Sam Howell is, like, um, I think he's he's solid, but he's, like, barely in the quarterback two conversation. So <clears throat> kind of just looking at those wide receivers that you can maybe make some deals on as well. Um, any other wide receivers you wanted to bring up that I didn't mention, though? 
Um, no, that's it for receivers. Okay. All right. So we'll go switch over to the uh, tight end position here. So the one that obviously stands out at the top of the tight end two list is Sam Laporta at tight end two. Hunter Henry is at tight end six. Um, I think that's definitely a surprising one for a lot of people. Uh, Hayden Hurst at tight end nine. Um, I think that's just probably off of Hayden Hurst's first game of the season where he had something and he hasn't done shit since. So, um, And you could talk about the A-warp on tight ends, about how you kind of don't even really want all these tight ends off, outside of the elite ones. But um, let's just talk about Laporta. Do you think Laporta is kind of just he cemented himself in this um, top tight end list? I think that assuming hey I'm gonna I'm gonna say it comes down to your belief in whether Jamison Williams is gonna be a target hog. I don't think Jamison Williams will be a target hog when he comes back. I think that he's kinda messed up his chance to do that. Not really to a, to a fault of his own in terms of last year, but definitely in terms of getting the suspension for the first six games of the season. And what did I say earlier? A warp loves consistency, and Sam Laporta has shown he can go out there. He's and he's going to get you some consistent points every single week, and so that's the kind of thing that is going to keep him it, it, at the top of these rankings. He might not stay as tight end two, but I would not be surprised at all to see him finish in the top six, where he's an actual difference maker at the tight end position right now. So in Dynasty, like I tried to make some trades today. Um, I, I don't remember the the whole specific trade, but like I was giving up my Goddard to get Laporta, and it seems like a lot of people in Dynasty are already putting Laporta ahead of Goddard. Um, I heard Mike um, with his interview with uh, Debro on Monday. He talked about Laporta, Kyle Pitts. He's taking Laporta over Pitts. Are you kind of in the same position as Laporta over like those like mid tier guys and Joku? Um, you know, I would say the top guys obviously are you know uh, Kelsey, Andrews, um, you know Hawkinson as well. Are you taking him above you know Darren Waller, George Kittle, you know all those guys? I think right now, if you had to say my dynasty tight end rankings, they're Kelsey and Andrews. Honestly, probably interchangeable depending on whether you're competing or not. Um, number three is TJ Hawkinson. And then four and five is a toss up between uh, Kittle and the Laporta. Um, and it kind of has to do with your belief in, in Kittle. Um, but at this moment, I would, I would lean Laporta over I would lean Kittle which is putting Laporta as tight end four in Dynasty for me right now because he's mm -hmm. just showing he's going to be a consistent player. And it, assuming that this holds, he's also a rookie. You're going to have forever for tight ends. It seems like tight ends, that if they're good, they're going to stay in the league till like their late 30s. So you could, you could feasibly have this guy on your team until like if you had a kid this year until your kid is driving. Like that, that it that's something that that it, if he is good enough, you could see happening, and so you you can't pass up on that kind of value for somebody that is out here now and producing. When we had Kyle Pitts coming into this year, it was off of a year of not producing at all, and so um, it, I th I think you're starting to see the market correction of. 
yeah, Kyle Pitts still is not producing. And so he's going to tumble down uh, it, all the value charts, all the rankings everywhere. And so hopefully you got out of your Kyle Pitts. And if you still have Kyle Pitts, I would recommend moving him whatever you can. Like I, if you need to sell Kyle Pitts for a, a Dallas Goddard, David and Joku, probably, probably better. If you can, uh, you might not be able to get a first for Kyle Pitts anymore. Like the, depending on who you're talking to, like it, if you can find some sucker to give you a first for Kyle Pitts, do it. If you can find somebody that's willing that has a really bad team that like knows, Hey, my one Oh, my pick's going to be one one. You're like, but it's just a second round pick and you can get the two Oh one. I'd be doing that too. I do not want to have Kyle Pitts anywhere because he's just not a difference maker. And so the thing that I'm looking at for lineup leagues at the tight end position is I want a difference maker or I want a nobody. And so you talk about those nobodies, uh, tight end 13, Logan Thomas, tight end 15, Zach Ertz, uh, tight end 18, Dawson Knox. Like those are the guys that I can go out and find and they go into my lineup. And yeah, it doesn't sound sexy to be I'm starting tight end 18. But the difference between tight end 18 and a tight end 9 is the same difference as tight end 18 all the way down to 34, 35. And it's all just super flat in that entire range. And so if I'm just getting these these guys that are able to give me a little bit of positive, that's all I'm looking for, then... um. And then I'm able to flip the guys that have value that are getting me that same amount of positive. So that, uh, so that tight end eight, George Kittle, like if I'm able to flip George Kittle and get myself, um, let's say a, a second and an okay running back, and then I'm able to to go down and I'm able to pick up D- Dawson Knox by sending somebody a third round pick for him. Like that's the kind of move that I'm looking to make because I'm able to get close to the same amount of production and warp from my tight end position, pick up an extra second, and I'm getting a running back that I can put into my lineup. Yeah, I agreed. I was kind of just looking when you mentioned that at the warp per game uh, under the A warp. And like, if you look at George Kittle, he's getting 0.029 warp per game. Okay, we go down to Dawson Knox, who you mentioned, 0.011. Like, that's very, very minimal difference between tight end 8 and tight end 18. So that's kind of what we talk about with A-Warp. Like, you just don't really want, you know, five tight ends on your roster. You're just wasting roster spots at that point. You kind of want to have, like, maybe two or three solid ones that you can depend on, and then you want to get rid of the rest of them because they're just chewing up roster spots and wasting up roster spots on your team. Um, You know, I think one thing that you mentioned, too, um, just going back a little bit with Pitts and Laporta, do you think you could still – I don't – I don't want to say people that listen to this show or other shows are smarter, but in some of your other leagues where maybe you know, you know, that they're not as smart or they're not as and as in tune, do you think you could still pull off, you know, Kyle Pitts and get Laporta? And even if you you give up a second and you get a third back, you know, is that something you're willing to do? I th- I think you'd probably agree with me on that. 
Yeah, I'd, I'm I'm willing to give up Pitts to get Laporta back just about anywhere. Yeah, um, that's kind of where I'm at. It, honestly, I'd be willing to pay to do it too. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's that's a trade idea for some people. If you s- still have Kyle Pitts and you're frustrated with him, um, you know, people still value Kyle Pitts pretty highly. So if you could think you can maybe get Laporta back, I think that's a a good play. Yeah, going over to our uh, good old friends at Keep Trade Cut, um, mm-hmm. Kyle Pitts is still tight end five, but they have actually flip flopped with me and uh, Sam Laporta is tight end number four on Keep Trade Cut right now. Right. Um, Where's so that, uh, Kincaid on there? Um, let's see what Kincaid is at. Um, Kincaid is at tight end six right now. Yeah, um, he's still super, super high, and he hasn't done shit this year. Um, yeah, and so Kincaid is somebody that I'm that I'm willing to sell right now because, mm-hmm. um, it, unfortunately, I actually don't even think I have any shares of him because I sold on the the astronomical rise up in the offseason. Right. Um, okay. But uh, Kincaid is somebody. Yeah, if you can get tight end six prices out of Kincaid, um, it, the the value that they have right now is. Um, it's about a mid second it looks like um mm-hmm. and so if i can if i can get out of kincaid for for a mid second um and if you find the right manager you might even be able to get a mid second and a little bit of extra something a right. mid second and it, it just just say that that you're you're letting them spend their second to get an upgrade at tight end and pull that last tight end that it, that Mike Gesicki off their roster or that Durham Smythe or it, the shout out to the waiver wire show, the Julian Hill, if they were to happen to be the manager that picked up Julian Hill looking at his snap share, not that I think many people did, but mm-hmm. look for those guys where, Hey, they're getting a bunch of snaps. They're getting a bunch of route routes run and just plug those <laughs> tight ends into your lineup mm-hmm. because you're going to be able to to actualize the warp on the weeks that they act, that they do something that nobody else is going to, mm. and that is the number one thing about a warp is a warp is only showing you the warp from players that were actually started. Right. You can give yourself an edge by forcing yourself to start players that nobody else would start. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing behind a, any running back on a fifty-three. Um, when I was uh, on a on the show right before the season, where I said I am selling all my tight ends, mm-hmm. and I will freely admit I sold Juwan Johnson for a fourth round pick before before week one. I just was totally out on any tight end um, to get anything out of them, and I still think it was the right move. Right. Um, and re- regardless of whether Jawan Johnson, I, I think he's done pretty poorly in, in warp this, this year. So in a sense, it kind of even looks better, but if he was still tight end 12, I still would have wanted to, to get out of him. Maybe I could have gotten out for a third if I had waited a little bit. Um, but I just don't want to have anything to do with these tight ends and force myself to start somebody weird. And so who did I start week one in, in that league? Hunter Henry. And I was I was one of the few people that managed to get the warp from Hunter Henry in week one. And then uh, everyone started chasing that warp from Hunter Henry, and he didn't do that week two. He hasn't really... He, he's done okay week three. Um, and, and so now he's back to, okay, he's just an average tight end. But you were able to hit those weeks 
where a tight end explodes because you're forcing yourself to put them in the lineup rather than chasing, okay, this guy put up 20 points this week. I'm going to put put him in my lineup in hopes he scores 20 points again. Yeah, because I've started a Hunter Henry in a league too, so I, I did get that warp that you were mentioning. Just kind of looking at some of these other ones that are down here, like even you know Dallas Goddard hasn't had the greatest start to the season. I mean, he's given you a negative – I mean, it's very minimal, but point zero zero one warp if you've started Dallas Goddard every single week. Um, there is some other names down here that play a lot, like Cade Otten is down here at tight end 30. Um, he's played every single week, has a ton of routes run, but you know, you got to kind of maybe watch on who you do pick up to start um, with your tight ends. You know, you kind of. That's also going to be something where you have to rely on the fact that, hey, it's not going to be these guys' weeks some of the weeks. Right. Kate Otten might be a guy that, yeah, we're looking at him being slightly negative right now, but all he needs is two weeks where he's getting back to the average tight end, and that's going to come right back up. And then right. he has one week where they where they go against a really good defense that's shutting down the receivers, and Baker Mayfield's only throwing over the middle. And now all of a sudden, Kate Otten gets five catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. Like, okay, mm-hmm. now he's going to shoot right back up to the top because he had a good week off of that. And so that's that's the sort of th- game that you're kind of playing with with these tight ends when you're when you're looking at okay, I'm I'm only looking at the 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 number of routes that they're running, the number of snaps they're on the field, those sorts of statistics. And trying to make sure that you're you're lining up with the peripheral numbers as opposed to the counting numbers, because the counting numbers aren't different enough to really mean anything on their own. Yeah, I, I kind of fell into that trap this week because I started Otten in like one or two places playing against the Eagles on Monday night. Um, the Eagles just gave up a boatload of points to TJ Hawkinson. They were definitely like in the lower 30s or uh, low 20s, uh, low 30s for uh giving up points to tight ends so i was like all right i'm gonna throw otten in there it just didn't work out this week but you know it happens sometimes but yeah this is something to to keep an eye on that's why i do those waiver wire pods you know kind of let you guys know how many routes these guys are running how what's their snap percentages and you know there's some guys on here too like noah fans a lot higher i mean he's had you know, two pretty much dud weeks. Last week was was solid because Will Disley is out. He's a lot higher on here. Um, you know, but that's Noah Fant's probably not a guy I want to start weekly if I can avoid it just because, you know, they, they are using three tight ends and they're literally getting like 40% snaps, all, four, all three of them. It's crazy right now. So, But where this tight ends don't matter strategy comes mm-hmm. from is – hey, let's start Noah Fant every single week if he's the best that you can get for right. for a pick that doesn't really matter. True. And, yeah. so if, uh, and so I am fine starting Noah Fant week in and week out and riding the uh, whatever Seattle has going on at the tight end position, three-headed monster sort of thing, if it means that I'm just going to miss some weeks and I'm going to do fine others. If I can then turn the value of whoever my number one guy is, let's pretend right now that guy is Dallas Goddard, or even let's pretend it's Kate Otten because Kate Otten still has a little bit of value from him being young and just coming off his rookie year where he did well. If I can turn that into value at a different position, maybe I can get myself a 
an upgrade at the wide receiver position. Maybe I can even upgrade my running back one somewhere. Um, like something like that, where I can get points to my team in a different in a different position. That's what I'm looking to do and get off those tight ends. And if I'm stuck starting Noah Fant every week, I'm fine starting Noah Fant every week because the difference in warp between Noah Fant and going all the way up to tight end eight of George Kittle is pretty negligible. Yeah, and just also looking at this chart too, and it just makes me like, in every single league, just say F it and go just get one of these elite tight ends so I don't have to deal with this mess anymore, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and uh, you you have the list where we were saying Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, maybe TJ Hawkinson. I was beating the TJ Hawkinson train all off season. And I'm so happy uh, to see him doing this well at the beginning of the season, but it's looking like Sam Laporta might be sneaking his way in there. Mm-hmm. And so it might be, okay, you want one of those four. And then outside of that, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, you could still probably get away with Waller and Kittle. Um, Evan Ingram's always solid just because he runs so many routes and all that. But after that, man, it is pretty uh, horrendous. So if you could find somebody that's coming up, like I think a guy that's coming up that we didn't mention that could sneak up into this top eight, top ten is Luke Musgrave. Like I've really liked what I've seen from him this year. That's a guy I would definitely go out and buy. And if I could sell, you know, one of these – if I could sell David Njoku, if I could sell Dallas Goddard, Pat Fryermuth, and get Luke Musgrave and get a plus on top of it, I think I'd be willing to do that. Definitely. And I just want to toss out there, Logan Thomas, keep an yeah. eye out for him. Because yep, for sure. uh, Sam Howell seems to be targeting him when he's on the field. And hes I personally think he's only at tight end 13 right now in, in A-Warp because he missed a, missed a game. If you look at where where he was in a warp per game, he's tight end number seven, and so he's somebody that you can probably go out there and get super cheaply, who's going to be getting you top twelve performances. Right, and that's the whole point of uh, getting the tight ends don't matter is because you can build yourself a a room that is able to to get you get you enough production off of almost no value. And if you kind of just look at that off of last week when he didn't play against Buffalo, if you just give him Cole Turner's stats, well, it was like four for 45 or something. Yeah, yeah, Logan Thomas probably shoots right back up. So that that's definitely a guy, if you're playing the uh, tight end punt scenario, Logan Thomas, definitely somebody I would consider. That's a good call. I've uh, A couple of my uh, redraft leagues, he was you know free after week one on waivers. That's definitely a guy I picked up, so that's a really good call. Um, any other tight ends you want to mention before we uh, wrap it up? Um, the last one, just to point out, is you've got uh, Jake Ferguson, who's uh, quietly doing well. Um, I think we were worried that Schoonmaker was going to come in and steal uh, some of his production, but it seems like Ferguson is going out there and he's getting all those lovely Dak Prescott to his tight end targets that Dak has done all his whole career and that Dallas has kind of done through through the past couple decades of the franchise is always heavily targeting that tight end. And so that's, that's somebody that if it is starting to get to the point where the manager that, that owns Jake Ferguson is going to know what they have, but maybe you can peel them off if they haven't quite caught up with the times and they still think, Oh, the, the Dallas tight end situation is up in the air. I think he's going to be a little bit more solid. 
Yep, that's a really good call. I like him uh, quite a bit as well. So, um, All right, well, that is it for um, the Warp this week. Appreciate you going over that with me, Koopa. Um, but we got to play America's favorite game before we get out of here. Are you ready to play it for your first time? Yeah. All right, so I was kind of watching a movie earlier. I'm like, okay, this would be a good question. So what is your favorite all-time scene from a movie? So... Uh, I'm going to have to go back. So my number two favorite movie is the usual suspects. And, um, and so going it, I'm going to spoil the movie so badly here, but at the, the, you get to the very, very end and uh, you've got the police officer. He sits down, he starts looking around the room and he's like, wait a second, that's the thing that this guy was talking about where he, where he starts realizing the person that he was interrogating the whole time was just making crap up the entire time. And, and it, he runs out of the room, runs to the, to the fax machine and look, looks at the picture that's of the suspect that they're looking for. And it was the guy that was sitting right across from him. Like I, I love how they piece together all of those things where they're just cutting back and forth from uh, things that uh, th- that they go through and uh, and they find out they had Kaiser Soze, who they've been looking for in this office the entire time, and now he's just disappeared into the ether. Okay, nice. I have I couldn't come up with just one, so I had three of them. So I'll give up uh, the first two first before I get to my favorite one. So office space where they take the fucking printing machine or the uh, copier and they go out in the middle of the field and beat the shit out of it with a bat. That is always one of my favorite scenes because I have stuff at work like that doesn't work properly and I just want to like steal it and just take it in the middle of nowhere and beat the shit out of it. Second one I think is going to probably be on a lot of people's favorites list. And so that's at the end of Avengers Endgame where you get all the superheroes coming together and you finally get Captain America says Avengers Assemble. That that move, that moment is always will stick in my mind as one of the best um, scenes where the, you finally get that moment. But my favorite scene, and it was um, from a movie I was watching earlier, is what, my favorite movie. Um, a lot of people uh, don't think it's as good, but that's Dark Knight Rises. I actually like Rises better than I do the Dark Knight. It's very close, but I like Rises better. And that's when um, Bruce Wayne is in the cell in wherever it was, Africa or whatever the hell it was. And uh, they're nursing him back to health. The old guy's talking to him, and he's talking to him about, you got to climb, and you have to do it without the rope. And he finally realizes that to conquer his fear, he's got to do it without the rope. And he finally does it without the rope. You got all the prisoners chanting, uh, rise, and the whole time in whatever language it was in. And they're chanting, and he finally goes for it, makes the jump, gets there, and they all go crazy. He gets up, um, you know, throws the rope down so all the prisoners can get out, and he makes his way back to Gotham. That's always been um, one of my favorite movie scenes. I love that scene. Those are all... All great movies, all right. great scenes. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, there's so many more I'm sure I could probably name, but those are uh, definitely three of my favorites off the top of my head. So, uh, But no, I uh, appreciate you coming on, Koopa. 
Make sure you guys go over to uh, the South Harmon FF website. You can sign up for Warp. Uh, you can sign up for Mind Warp as well. Get the video series from Adam and Scott. Uh, you know, Koopa, you're updating this Warp every single week. So if you're in the Discord as well, he'll post notifications in there. Hey, the Warp's updated for this week. Um, you can check out the charts every single week. Um, make some trades off of it. Make, you know, whatever kind of roster moves that you think um, could help you. You know, it's a good good tool to use. So make sure you guys go over there, sign up for that. Um, you can follow me at Twitter at Eric Vanek NFL. Uh, follow the show at America's Game Pod on Twitter as well. We have the South Harmon FF Twitter that uh, Fizzle's running. Fizzle's, yeah, Fizzle's been doing a great job with that, posting all kinds of updates on there for you guys um, during the games, after games, you know, anything. Fizzle's been doing an uh, outstanding job. You can catch this show and all the other shows um, that we do on YouTube as well. So South Harmon FF on YouTube. Make sure you guys go like and subscribe over there. Get the notifications. Um, once we do like AMAs and stuff, when, when they're going live on there, you'll get the notifications. Um, this show comes out every Thursday evening on YouTube. So if you'd rather watch it instead of listening to the podcast version, you can do that. Um, yeah, we got all kinds of good stuff going on, man. Uh, anything you want to plug, uh, Koopa? Um, I also want to plug the uh, articles on the website. Um, T-Rock has been writing some amazing articles every single week um, that, that aren't just straight stat dumps. He's putting in all kinds of his own humor, making them entertaining. Um, and I'm hoping to have an article up there this weekend. Um, I'm not going to be a regular like T-Rock is. Like the, he, he, does it, he does his thing, and he does it well. Um, but uh, keep keep an eye out for an article on hey when is a warp become predictive and when do you want to listen to it and i'll i'll give a teaser there are some weeks in the, the last year where if you listen to a warp instead of listening to the expert consensus rankings you would have actually done better the rest of the season so hmm. i'll i'll leave it at that Nice. Good little teaser for everybody to uh, go on the South Harmon website. Check that out this weekend, hopefully. Uh, yeah, T-Rock does a nice job as well with his articles. I forgot to mention those. Yeah, he every, everybody on the, on the South Harmon team is just killing it right now. Adam on his production on the YouTube videos. If you guys watch um, the 4D chess videos, the trade shows, uh, if you check out the uh, the recaps after Sunday uh, the Sunday 4 o'clock games, he's got the holograms on there that are freaking cool as hell. Uh, so yeah, shout out to all the guys at the South Harmon. So appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on Koopa, man. It's been fun. Uh, we'll definitely do this again later on in the season. Once we get some more warp data and we can kind of go back and look at, you know, Hey, did some of this stuff stick Did some of it not? Um, so I'm looking forward to doing that with you here soon too. Yeah. So. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. So, uh, with that guys, we will, uh, go ahead and sign off. We'll see you next time. <laughs>